that I was like, you know what? You only live once. I'm going to do it. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Welcome to the latest edition of Here's What We Know, the podcast of unexpected conversations. And I don't know what to expect from this, because when I heard the info about this young lady, it's like, well, this is an intriguing story on so many different sides. This is what she does for a living right here. I can't go on like this. Late at night. You're the one I miss. That's Townsend and stay. And here's Townsend right here. How are you, young lady? I am fantastic. I'm so honored to be asked to be on here. It's it's a pleasure to finally speak with you. Yeah, we've been trying to organize this podcast. I don't know. It started when I was like fifth grade. And, yeah, I was going to uh, say, it's been at least 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just like every time we <laughs> thought we had a day or a time, it's like, no, no. And and honestly, I've had I've had one where I had to back out. But they were like, you know, Friday's a really busy day for her, you know, because this is one where well, I should let you guys know we're recording this on a Friday. And they're like, she's got so many different gigs. And I'm like, that's a good thing. That's a good yes, thing, right? Yes. I, busy is a different word for blessed in the music industry. That's for sure. Well, and we're going to talk about this because the music industry, any kind of entertainment industry, is much harder yeah, than correct. anybody sees. It, it, there's so oh. much more of the grunt work that anybody sees. But first of all, before we go there, where's that accent from? I'm from Arkansas, South Arkansas. South Arkansas. My in-laws have a house in Northwest Arkansas. Beautiful area. Is that a, uh, is, you know, in Alabama, the Montgomery, the Montgomery line, cause I'm from Alabama. Uh, really, there's, there's South Alabama and there's Northern Alabama. And I don't think the two trust each other. Is that the same with Arkansas? <laughs> Um, they are very different. When you cross the midline, there's, there's a shift in human beings. Uh, the South is very Southern. The North is very, uh, not Southern. It's weird. It's like you cross this little barrier into more city folk. You know, my thing but, with Arkansas. But we get along, I yeah. think. I'm not really sure. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, in, in Walmart we trust. We all know that, right? Exactly. <laughs> Those are my people. I can wear whatever I want. You know, my thing with Arkansas, and we usually go over there right around the 4th of July. I don't know why, but we're always there for the 4th of July. As, and as being, okay. And as being a creature from L.A. for lower Alabama, that's where I'm from, uh, my, <laughs> my only issue with Arkansas in the summer, and you're going to find this silly, is it's never as hot as I want it to be. That is very interesting. That is a sentence I have never heard in my life. Well, I, because we're out there on Beaver Lake, because everybody mm-hmm. should get beaver fever at some point in their life. <laughs> oh, wow. And, 
<laughs> you should. You can get the T-shirt. It's right there at the Lost Bridges Marina. Yeah, I got beaver fever. Uh, Fantastic. But it's 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 uh it's you know I like to go out on the boat and I like to go for runs. And when I go for runs, I want it to be sweltering hot. The kind of heat that we don't get here in Northern California, which you're, which is where I'm at now. You want that. You know, just beyond sweat, where your shoes are wet from the sweat, you know? Yeah. Well, then you're just missing the perfect time because it does get that way. So Arkansas is known in the summer for being not only hot, but humid. And so there are days where it's like 90% humid. So you've just missed those days because they exist, I promise. It's well, the day where you get in the car and you're like, I'm not sure if I wet my pants or if I'm sweating. I'm confused. I've had this argument with Justin Moore, uh, the country singer who's from Arkansas. And he's like, yes. oh, man. He goes, I tell you, man, it's hot. It's hot. And I'm like, yeah, I've been there now. I've been married for going on 15 years and we dated for three years before that. So it's not like I'm just a fly-by-night guy, right? It, it, I, I've been there a bit. And there's yeah. been on the 4th of July where we refuse to take the boat out on the lake for the fireworks because it's 59 degrees. Yeah, you need to come closer to August. So August is when it's supposed to be just like smell pretty hot. Well, that's the crazy thing about northern Arkansas, too, is because we've been there for Christmas where there is literally snow on the ground. My my in-laws couldn't make it back to their house last Christmas because there's hills going up in, the nor- in northern Arkansas because the mm-hmm. roads froze and they could not get up the roads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Arkansas. And then the next day is 80 degrees. That's the blessing about Arkansas. You never know. It's bipolar, just like a lot of the people. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, southern Arkansas, oddly enough. Uh, Northwest Arkansas and Southern Arkansas, the weather majority of the time is completely different. So they will have 10 inches of snow and we won't have a drop. My uh, sister-in-law lives in Tulsa and she goes, you know, the problem with our weather, it's drunk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's like that annoying aunt that comes to Thanksgiving drunk and bipolar, and you're just like, "Gosh, can we get rid of her?" Um, I think everybody has one. That's the weather. It sounds like your Thanksgiving is a lot more interesting than mine, and I kind of am jealous. (laughs) (laughs) My family, I love everybody in my family. Totally kidding. Oh, listen, it's okay. I'm from a southern family too. It can get. We like to use the word peculiar. It can get Uh peculiar. You know, I like it. So I'm just, I'm just saying, and, uh, you know, you ought to, you ought to try to come out of California. The, you know, the reason why we pay, uh, a million and a half dollars for a thousand square feet. Do you know why? It's this weather. I have no idea. I've always wondered. The idea that I, the weather in California, there's no drastic. So if, you know, from Monday, if you've got a heat wave, Monday at 70, Tuesday at 74, Wednesday at 79, Thursday at 83, Friday at 88, Saturday you're to 92, and it's 97 on Sunday, and then it's 91 on Monday, and it's 98. There's no, there's none of this, hey, it's 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 97 degrees at 11 a.m. and at 6.30 that night, we're at 51. There's none of that here. That sounds splendid. Yeah, well, you know how it is. <laughs> so grab. I don't. I don't know how that is. So grab your million dollars and come out here and buy yourself a small little townhome. Let's go. Yes, fantastic. So now you, when I when I've sent back and and, and I and, and people just call you Townsend, right? 
correct. Okay, because I want to make sure. I didn't want to make sure I was not calling you the right or wrong thing. You know, we all have to make sure we call it. Yeah, right as long thing. as it's fine. Degrading. I'm cool with whatever. Yeah, okay. But yes, Townsend yeah. is my name. Well, if it's not degrading, shoot, hold on, let me scratch that off. Okay. <laughs> and all the degrading things, I was getting ready to go. When, cool. when, because if, as far as I, I, I researched you a little bit, and you, you've been working in the healthcare field also, right? Yes. So I am a speech therapist. And I have my license, master's degree, and I have been working with geriatrics for about nine years or so. Mm-hmm. And I actually took the dive. I had this aha moment after treating during COVID. I did full-time music, full-time therapy, and it just got to be so much. And of March this year, I had this huge aha moment of, man, you only live one time. And you might as well dive deep into your passion and your purpose. And I felt like mine was music. And so I still have my license. I still treat a couple of hours in the morning just to keep in touch with that side of things. But yeah, music is my full-time gig now. How hard was it when you were going through this, trying to pull off both? Because I always tell this, you know, I, I do a morning show for a country music station here in San Jose, and I've been here longer than you've been alive. I'd be willing to bet. Uh, but it's it's. It's it's people do not realize how all encompassing and hard it is. Not that I'm not asking people to feel sorry for you or me or anybody, but they underestimate the amount of work there is. And I can only imagine being in the healthcare field, trying to navigate both of those waters had to be at the very least challenging. That would be, yeah, the least of the words that I would use. So I, they were very, they were polar opposites. So you go to work, especially during COVID. I mean, it's just mentally, physically, emotionally draining, not only for myself, but for my patients as well. They're not able to see family. And so I had this huge obligation every morning when I woke up to put my needs aside and to make someone else's day better. And so I feel like I went in trying to make somebody smile or laugh because they're not getting to see anyone. You may be the only person that they saw that day, mm-hmm. but you're gowned three gowns deep. You've got mask, um, face shield, goggles, you know, the helmets on. You're just drenched in sweat every day, back to back to back. And it's exhausting. So you come home, you've got a strip at the back door, you can't come inside. And then I worry about contaminating anyone else or my family. So I was distant from my family. And so it's completely different. And then you turn around and do music. So you use one side of your brain all day and then you come home and you've got to use the creative side, which is drained from that morning. It was, it was exhausting to say the least. Um, I felt like it was very, very draining for me, but it, it was hard because I felt like I had a duty to make people's day a little bit better, even if it was just to listen, to provide counseling of some sort. And I think that's kind of where I was able to make up my mind because I wasn't able to help as much as I wanted to. You know, insurances are just super complicated, and it got more complicated during covid And so I had a You're Not Alone project, which we can discuss in a little bit. But I thought, you know what? I can do more to help people and to bring smiles and comfort by doing music. And so that's what I dove into. But yes, to go back to that, music itself without even the healthcare is a nonstop job. When my eyes are open, 
I'm working somehow. I'm emailing, I'm calling, I'm messaging, I'm creating, I'm constantly, like I've already had three meetings today. I was on the news this morning. Um, people don't know. They have no idea. So tell me about you being on the news this morning. What was that? That's that's something. Well, I was on the most wanted. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so my... I'm very close with the news channel here in Arkansas. Thankfully, I don't know why, but they enjoy having me on. And like I said, busy is another word for blessed. And they asked me to come on once or twice a month. And they just happened to ask me on this morning. And so I drove down to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is smack dab in the middle. And we talked about my CD release, which is today. I had a brand new album drop, which I'm so excited about. And then we also talked about about my podcast called You're Not Alone with Kevin. And so I just got to share about my newest projects. I got to play some tunes live for everybody. So it's been a great morning. When did music start to become a thing? And I'm not, I'm not saying when you, when you decided to go full-time music. At what age do you remember music becoming a thing? When did you, when did you learn to play guitar? When did you go, I can sing, and other people started going, because everybody thinks they can sing, but it's different when somebody else goes. <laughs> Now, you really can sing, right? And trust me, yes. I, I've been doing this for a long time, and there's a lot of folks who think they can sing, and they almost can. They almost can. <laughs> they all, they're close. They're close. Um, okay, so that's a, yeah, that's an interesting story. I feel like music has always been a part of me. I, I honestly feel like it is intertwined in my system somehow. Um, when I hear music, I hear it. I feel like differently than other people's, and I'm sure lots of people are this way, but I hear the music and the artistry. I hear the creativity, the lyrics, like if it doesn't have good lyrics or, you know, it's a bunch of computer stuff behind it, it doesn't catch my attention as much as like, let's say a country song where somebody had amazing lyric, lyrical abilities and guitar abilities and all of that. Like I hear all of those things and it gives me goosebumps, like a visceral reaction to these songs. And I remember doing that for as long as I can think back, just hearing a new song, hearing all the different parts to it. But my friends would just, if it's got a good beat, that's it. They don't care about what what it's saying or anything like that. Um, so as long as I can remember, I have loved it. My first love was the drums. I actually played drums in a punk rock band. We were awful so bad in like Listen, junior high and high school. We good, thought we were so cool. If you're a good punk rock band, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> that's that's literally it. Yeah. Um, so we aspired to be Blink-182 um, and we were about that good. So, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love, I love Blink 182, but we were terrible. It kind of sounded like Blink 182, but if you took your mom's van and ran over the CD a few times and then tried to play it, that was us. Um, and then in college, so it's kind of ironic. Um, I picked up a guitar. A lot of people didn't know that I played or that I sang because I was very, I was a very shy kid. Um, and I had, I ran into a friend that became like a musical compadre. It's like your soulmate in music that you just vibe with. Mm -hmm. And he really, really supported me and encouraged me. And he was the reason kind of started singing and playing as a front runner of a rock band. And it went from there. Like I, I had built confidence in my singing or my guitar playing and it, it just kind of went from there. So yeah, I never was like, I'm amazing. I'm going to go play. It was more like people pushing me out on stage being like, Hey, 
you're good. Give it a try. And then, yeah, it's it's just been amazing. It's been a really cool experience. How does the shy kid go to the front stage? And and I've seen this in music, uh, it, especially because I've been doing I've been doing country music a long time. I've locked, worked with a lot of different formats, but I've seen country music for a long time. And I can give you a couple of names of people. Alan Jackson should. I love Alan Jackson. I love listening to him. The, his personality should never be in the front of the stage because that's just not who he is. But he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. He's Hall of Fame legendary. But the personality he is, you're like, how in the world did you get there? And yeah. how about you? If you, because if you're really shy, how do you push through that? Yeah. Um, a lot of practice, a lot of practice. I mean, like I said, I've been playing music in the background for years as long as I can remember back when I was a kid playing drums and I would just be so nervous that if we messed up it would be my fault and then like I said kind of got to college and got put into this position and of course I wanted to I was just too scared and I would spend man it started out probably three weeks ahead of the gig I would just make myself sick out of nerves I, you know, you run back and forth tinkling a thousand times and your mind races. And when I get to the gig, I think, who signed me up for this? I am awful. And I'm like, oh yeah, I signed up for this. And so it would be that over and over and over. And then we play more and more. And the longer I do it and the more I learn and the more confidence I get in myself, the better it gets. And it's not even confidence. It's more like, what's a story if you're not going to share it? Hmm. And I feel like, you know what, even if people don't think I'm good, it's my passion. I feel like it's my purpose at this point, because it's not just about music. It's about community and about living this one life that we have. And so I just kind of, I still get nervous. Don't get me wrong. I still have a little bit of stage fright. I still get terrified of speaking in front of a lot of people, but it's worlds better because I just kind of had a shift in my thinking because it's not you know the shy kid thinks everyone is staring at you and you have to be perfect and realistically that's just not what it is at all (laughs) not not everybody's staring at you i assure you well and they don't expect you to be perfect that's just not it well that's my thing i always tell everybody when you get up and and talk to a, a a crowd, right? Ask yourself, have you ever been a part of a crowd where you wanted the person you were listening to to suck out loud? You don't. Yeah, right. You, 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 you unconsciously pull for them. You want them to be good. You want them to go, hey, yeah, and and I'll have this wonderful shared experience. So if you can remember that when you're up on stage, and the truth of it is, the majority of people... Yeah, I saw this quote from Keith Urban the other day, his therapist. He was talking about his therapist. And his therapist said, do you know how many people think of you? And Keith goes, you know, you're a famous guy. You know how many people think of you? And he goes, uh, I don't know. He goes, almost no one. Exactly. Almost, And you're famous. Almost no one thinks yeah. of you. Uh, that means literally no one thinks of you and me. Let's just be honest. Let's just be for real. <laughs> And, and and really, and, and that should be, you know, it, with the little bit of fame I have, I always t- tell this to my sons. I have young boys and I'm like, I always tell them the only people that matter are the people who love you back. 
right? Yeah. You love and you love you back. Those opinions matter. When somebody comes up to me and goes, and listen, if you're, if you're in the public realm and you are, you're going to get the people to go, you suck out loud. And I always go like, okay, cool. If that release of anger keeps you from going home and yelling at your spouse or kids, go ahead. Because you know the truth? I don't care. I don't care yeah. about you because because I don't love you and you don't love me back. I'm I'm good with that. I, I, yeah. It's a social contract that I'm totally good with. I think that's where social media has gone off the the rail the the uh, the rails simply because the truth of it is you don't need to know what the guy you went to seventh grade math with thinks about anything. You just don't. You never did before. Yeah, you don't need to know that now. You know, and other people's opinion about me are none of my business. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think huge stepping stone for me, um, and we'll kind of jump into this a little bit. It's kind of what started me in music. So I had two opportunities for music, which I feel overly blessed to be part of even one of them. So I played in a rock band. Like I said, I was the front runner, the singer, guitar player. I wrote all the songs, and we opened for huge names at that time all over Arkansas. And we had the choice of do we do this full time? Do we finish college? What do we do? And so we ended up choosing school, like be educated. And my drummer and I kept playing music together. We ended up being, you know, this is the guy I was saying my, was my musical compadre. Like somebody, if you don't play music, to put that in a simpler terms, it's like your soulmate with music. It's somebody that sees you the way no one else does. And he truly... It was just a relationship that I have never had before and will never have again. It's somebody that really sees me. We vibe perfectly. When I started a song, he'd finish it. You know, it just was that perfect. And so there were times I would literally pay him to sit on stage with me and not do anything, but just be a body, a warm body beside me to comfort me. So Hmm. I, I jokingly called him my security blanket. And we played music for eight or nine years, and then he unexpectedly passed away in a car wreck in 2016. And so that rocked my world. And I was super young at that time, and just my reaction was to sweep it under the rug and act like nothing happened. My friends were so young, they hadn't experienced anything like that. And so they didn't really know how to sympathize or empathize with me. Um, They meant well. And then I didn't want to be a burden to my family. And so that was another outlet that was kind of cut off because of me. And so I just didn't talk to anybody. And so I decided I'm going to fix it myself. I'm going to work out. So my physical health, my spiritual health was perfect. Mm -hmm. It couldn't have gotten any better. Mm -hmm. But my mental health wasn't there. I was just still off a little bit. Like it just, I felt very isolated and alone and so that's when I was talking about Keith Urban. I decided, you know what? I can't do this by myself. I have done everything. So I actually reached out to a counselor. It was the most terrifying phone call I've ever made, but it's the best choice. I would suggest to anyone to put your pride aside and just go talk to somebody. The first session, we made leaps and bounds of progress because I just needed someone to tell me, hey, it's okay to not be okay. And that was it. I mean, that made me feel good. And so from that moment, I got, I had given up music from 2016 to about 2018 because it didn't bring me that joy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a choice that I purposefully made. I just didn't even want to pick up my guitar anymore because my cheerleader wasn't there. Who's going to sit on stage with me? And so in 2018, 
I sat down, picked up my guitar, and in about 30 seconds, I wrote this song called Show Me Home. And it just talks about using him and his memory to find my way back to myself. And I made a pact to myself that day in that moment that, you know what? I'm going to do it. He wouldn't want me to give up music. And so stage fright kind of got put on the back burner. Like my my outlook on music completely changed. It was a passion before, but now it's more of a purpose. And I know how quickly it can be taken away. I know how blessed truly that I am to get to do what I love as a career. And so, yeah, that's kind of what catapulted me back into the music scene. And from 2018 on, I've been booked solid. Things have been amazing. And I give him credit for not only getting me into the music the first time, but the second time as well. So a couple of things, because I I admire and and that's the beautiful thing about growing up in your era as opposed to growing up in my era, because I'm a good deal older than you. The fact that the um, that mental health does not carry the stigma that it carried when I was your age. And the fact that we all understand the importance of it and we all understand the vulnerability that each and every one of us carry within us. What what do you think? And, and I use this word and I hope you do not take it wrong. I, I hope you take it in the, in, in the way in which I'm asking. What do you think caused you to get lost with his death? Sure. Um, well, I want to say, I feel like we're getting better at understanding mental health, but we're not quite where we need to be yet because even telling my family that what was happening with me, I was trying to explain my feelings and they meant it well. They, they meant nothing by it, but their reaction was, well, just don't think about it and you'll be fine. That was their reaction because people don't understand that's not how it works sometimes. Sometimes you have to feel the feelings to get through them. You can't just sweep them under the rug. And so for me, I think um, what made me feel lost was that, I mean, my world got rocked. What what I knew was so, it felt permanent and I was so young and I had everything going is what it felt like. And then that just got ripped away one day. One second, it was gone. Was that the and way so you think, always dealt with those things? That was that because I mean, it wasn't just a new way of doing it. Do you think that's the way you always dealt with issues that that made you? And and I'm not trivializing his death. I've I've been there. My God, we've all been there, and I feel for you so hard. But do you think that that's the way you've always dealt with those things before then? And this was the catalyst that forced you to rip the bandage off all of those ways of dealing with it. Oh, sure. I feel like a lot of us are that way. And I feel like I'm known as being happy-go-lucky and always in a great mood. And I feel like I need to make people happy. Like my, my drama doesn't need to be taken to work. And because I woke up kind of in a funk, I don't need to make other people in a funk. So sure, absolutely. I feel like I'd put on a smile and be sure to make other people's day good, no matter how I was feeling. And like I said, I was pretty young anyway, so I feel like we don't really know how to cope with our emotions unless we're taught that from a generation above. And I feel like we're just now, like you said, just now kind of understanding mental health and really putting a spotlight on it. And so 
my generation didn't really see, for the most part, didn't really see how to healthfully um, put mental health first. Because, you know, we they would put family first or work first or because you don't have time to deal with that. And so I think none of my friends were in that situation at that age. I hadn't lost, I hadn't experienced anything that traumatic or that large. And so, sure, yeah, yeah, I'm sure with little things, I would just sweep it under the rug and keep going. Absolutely. Hmm. We're talking to Townsend, and we're going to come right back with more of this. It's a, it's an interesting conversation, and and going uh, and finding out more about her. Uh, the hashtag you are not alone. We're going to talk about that also. That's coming up with more right after this quick break on Here's What We Know. If you're enjoying this podcast, then maybe you'd like to hear more. Gary Scott Thomas hosts The Morning Show at 95.3 KRTY in San Jose, and you can tune in at krty.com. At 8.30 each weekday morning, Gary and Julie talk to artists, songwriters, and industry insiders. You'll hear from people like Garth Brooks and Luke Combs, new stars like Ingrid Andrus and Maren Morris, and songwriters like Shane McAnally, Lori McKenna, and Luke Laird. You'll find the best in country music on the South Bay's best country, K. KRTY.com. So we're back with Townsend, and we were just talking about the the mental health journey that you've been on. Uh, and and it's cool that you got into music. First and foremost, where'd you go to school at? Um, I'm from the Pine Bluff area, but I went to junior high and high school in Whitehall. But college at? At UCSA, Conway, Arkansas. Well, first of all, I want to know how in the world did you find time to to get your degree in speech therapy and be in a band? Oh, that that doesn't even cover it. So I paid for grad school by working. I probably had oh gosh, like eight part time little jobs, just making money here and there. Uh, played in a band, trying to make a little money. I was in a sorority. I still made all A's. I don't know how. Honest to goodness, I look back, I'm like, how did I survive? I'm not sure. I honestly have no idea. But it worked somehow. <laughs> I I can't imagine. I, I worked in radio and majored in English literature, and I didn't have time to do really to do a good job on either. And uh, I've talked to uh, <laughs> I talked to people who uh, well, I talked to this young lady who's who's trying to make in the business, and she was she was the goalie on the women's national championship hockey team in Wisconsin, right? Wow. And she talked and she was doing the same thing you are, playing in bands, playing music, but plus being an athletic star. And she's like, yeah. there was just no time. And the only guys I could date were only other sports guys because because nobody understood the pressures it took. That it may be a week or two that I'm not going to see you because I've got practices or I've got this or I've got that or we're journeying, you know, we're going on a three-game stretch. We're going to Minnesota, so I'm not going to see you or talk to you for two weeks and she goes oh yeah it takes athletes it takes special people yeah 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 absolutely relationships are very tough for like i said anybody in that position for sure and athletics too it's just it's a really harsh schedule well especially with you guys in in music right i mean and we talked about i think i think you and i share this proclivity I don't call it I don't call it call it a defect I call it a proclivity because you talked about <laughs> you don't want to be a burden and stuff like that my thing is is I do not want to be in the way 
I don't like being in the yeah. way. I don't like to be useless. Even when I'm sick, I get up and try to help, you know, do whatever I can with the kids and stuff like that. I'm the worst sick patient in the world because I don't want to sit around and be sick. Uh, yeah. But but you just don't want to be in the way. Right. You just want to be sure, out there. Sure. And the bad thing is I found for the longest time, a lot of my relationships failed because I found I was trying to save people. Yeah. You'd take broken people and try to save them. So I want to see where you fall on that spectrum. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, really? absolutely. I've been told, well, I've been told by a bunch of my friends, um, I, I don't sit still very well. And I, it's kind of a weird thing. So I feel like through this journey, I'm very, very self-aware. I love the mental health just atmosphere. I've read a bunch. I've done a million interviews. So I feel like I'm well educated on it. And I don't feel like me not being able to sit well is a coping strategy. It's just truly, I love what I do. And so interviews like this or my You're Not Alone interviews, they truly energize me. They teach me. It's a community that I've longed for for so long. And people that just truly understand each other and helping other people understand each other. So I'm just constantly like, yes, this is fantastic. Um, and so it just leads to more and more, which can also be a downfall. Um, so working on, you know, taking those risks, because like I said, you can get carried away quickly by answering emails all the time and gigging and traveling and all these different things. So, yeah, I feel like I'm sure that has to do with wanting to fix people and just help people. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you just have to sit back and, and you know, uh, when I, I think when it clicked over, cause I had to have that whole, uh, you know, the thing I did, and we, and I've talked about this with other people on the podcast before, I had that aha moment that the only thing all my failed relationships had in common was me. And, you know, yeah, and we, the common denominator. And we have this saying in the South, and I'm sure you've heard it. You catch the kind of fish depending on the bait you use. Right. Uh -huh. So once I decided yeah. to change my bait, everything worked out. And then I found the love of my life. And here we are with a life. Right. So it's, it. it's it's always trying, you know, so and, and that's your deal. My question to you, have you changed your bait? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So funny you should say that. I think one of the coolest things I experienced through this mental health journey and finding, quote unquote, my way back home and finding myself was I went to therapy. I spoke with someone. I read the books. I tried my best to dissect myself and then mold myself back into something I was happy about, something that gave me passion and purpose, you know, kind of just get back in the groove of things. And with that, I became my 100% genuine self. And because I did that, the people that love me the best and love me the most were able to come into my life. And so it was really cool to see once I put the work into myself and I put myself first for the first time in my life, it brought in the crowd and the friends that you now call family. Those people were allowed to come in because I put my walls down, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I feel like through all of this, I've really become my true, genuine, matured self. It's been a really cool experience. Have you thought about what will happen if you do hit 
if you do make it big. I mean, you've got a bubbling career. And let's be clear. The, the majority of singers are, are people who are able to make a living at it. To me, that's my definition of success. It really is. If you can that make a living, of, a living at it, you are now a success. You are a professional musician. But have you ever just allowed yourself to realistically think about what happens if all of a sudden you get that song that takes off? I mean, my, my buddy is Walker Hayes. He's a friend of mine. He never expected that little song fancy like to happen. He never expected to be anything like that. And it just blew him away. Right. That all of the all of the work he put in for 17 years, all of a sudden it was two and a half minute ditty that changed his life forever. Yeah. Right. So for you, the same thing. Have you realistically thought not about I'm a millionaire, I'm going to have a mansion and a yacht, but realistically thought about what it would be like if you hit? Oh, man, I think we all think about that. We all dream about it. I think it's the best way to put it. I'm very, my personality is very realistic, so I try not to get carried away with, oh, that's my goal. I want to, quote, unquote, make it. I want to be on stage at CMAs. I want to perform with Toby Key, you know, the mm-hmm. biggest of the biggest names. To me, honestly, my definition of success is the exact same as yours, and I've told anybody that asked me that, if I can pay my bills, and I can live my life while creating and changing lives, that's success to me. But sure, I dream about that all the time. I would love it. It'd be too cool. I think what would be the coolest thing is, you know, watching a movie and hearing your song come on. Or like little things like that, that every time it plays on, let's say, a TV show, you get the streaming credit and all of those things. That would be too cool. Absolutely. That would be a good time. So uh, that would be amazing. I, I, before, before we go, before we go I, a little deeper, cause I do want to go uh, with you on the, you are not alone. I'm fascinated by that. But can I ask you a personal question? Because I've, Always, deep, I'm an open I've, book. I've deep dived on you and stuff. And I, I love the positivity. I love how you are always constantly looking at doing your cover songs. You're just constantly trying to find people, uh, to, who, who have that positive thing. When did you decide to cut your hair? Because, because that, you've done the old okay. videos, you've got this beautiful long hair, and I love your hair now. Don't you get me wrong. Thank you. I love your hair now. It, but it's like for a female, and it's a lot different than for a male to go, oh, you know, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut all this hair off and go that. Yes. Tell me that day. Tell me that story. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, so, yeah, my hair for my entire life was always long, and I would straighten it. It's super thick. Um, so by, when the time came that I cut it, it was midway between my shoulders and my waist. So very long hair. The last one of the music videos I did on all my socials called Watch the Walls. You can see how long my hair was. And it was the moment of doing COVID and being three gowns deep and all of these different PPE precautions and going to therapy and rebuilding myself that I was like, you know what? You only live once. I'm going to do it. And so I went into my hairdresser and I was like, hey, I want to cut it all off. And she was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. And I was like, no, I'm serious. I I just want to cut it all off and we'll make it stylish. And she was like, I am not doing that because if you change your mind tomorrow, you're going to resent me. And so she cut it like chin length. And she was like, that's as short as I'm going. But if you come back... And you're still sure in a few days, I'll cut it shorter. And I came right back immediately, like 
it wasn't even a couple of days. I went back and I was like, I'm ready to do it. And so since then it's been gone and it's been, it's almost like the physical, like you can lay your eyes on the change that has happened with me in my life and just getting more comfortable in your skin and starting fresh and new. But yeah, it, it was a weird change for sure. I still used a lot of shampoo. I was like, wait, 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 this is weird. I, I still try to like move my hair out of my shirts, you know, because it always gets tangled up. Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't get to do the head bob anymore. I do not. No, no, not much of that anymore. But thankfully, my genetics, I was blessed with thick hair. So I wake up and it's kind of styled. So thank Jesus for that, for real. <laughs> you, uh, you have this unique perspective because you've worked in the healthcare field and you also are earning your living now in a business that depends on live performance. I mean, because the paradigm of making money with album sales is out the window. You make your money with yeah. live performances now. So you had to go from, as you were saying, wearing all this PPE stuff you couldn't breed, stuff that was like, uh, in the, in the height of the pandemic to now going out and going, Boy, I need some crowds. I need some crowds and everybody around and let me play this song. Where are you in your mind with reacting to the pandemic? And where where do you where do you see us going? Because again, I asked that not to put you on the spot. It's just you have a unique perspective. Sure. Are you talking about as far as performances go or me personally? Both. 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 Okay. Yes. Um, man, I try. So as a musician, we all went through this. I remember texting my friends that were in different states in Northwest Arkansas, which is pretty far from here, and just being like, man, are your gigs getting canceled left and right? And all of us being in a group text, just having that moment of, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Um, and thankfully, at that moment, I still worked in healthcare, but my friends, all they were doing were music and things like that. And I remember being looked out six, seven months straight, and it would be, oh, no, five gigs got canceled, seven gigs got canceled, six months of gigs got canceled, and it was the craziest thing to witness. And again, I think that was part of my decision of, man, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You only live once. What's the head first into what we're here for, what we truly want to do? And so in my head, I'm just riding the waves as they come right now. I'm booked solid. Things are amazingly blessed. I'm gigging all the time. Um, the rules are a little bit different. Places aren't packed out like they once were. People are keeping their space a little bit more. You know, people used to come up after gigs and just hug and hug and stand super close. And that's changed a little bit, which is sad to watch. Um, but it's getting normalcy is coming back a little bit and I'm praying that we'll continue on that wave and just trying to keep a positive, positive attitude. But, you know, if things go back to where we're shut down, I can focus on my you're not alone project even more. So I see a positive light either way that it goes, but yeah, it's, I mean, who knows where we're headed? Who knows? So you, and again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. So right now, as of today, when you walk out there, you have no fear. As far as COVID goes? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, sure. I mean, I think we all do. Absolutely. I just try not to focus on that. Well, I think it's to me, it's it's the same fear because, you know, same thing here. You know, our our business had 80 percent live events was that was 80 percent of our our revenue was live. events. We do a lot of stuff like that. Uh, But at some point you get back to the acceptable risk because the truth of it is driving to an event, you probably are at your most in danger. You know, that that's where you're probably yeah. at risk. And the truth of it is, is right now we have twice as many people in the hospital as of the recording of this podcast right now. We have twice as many yeah. people in the hospital with seasonal flu than we do COVID. I mean, I mean that's just yeah. that's that's not opinion. That's fact. So it, uh, th- that that's what I guess I'm going with is it's at an acceptable risk for you that, yeah, we all sit back and think about it. But yeah. at, at what point do you go? Yeah, but I'm going to take that risk. I'm going to drive. I'm yeah. going to fly. I'm going to I'm going to go. And and you are there and, and you've been there for a while, I'm supposing. Yes, a thousand percent. So I was for a while like super hesitant about the gigs I took. I would only do it if there was a stage or setback so far. And that was when I was in healthcare. So I didn't want to get anyone else sick. I didn't want to take anything to my patients. So I was very, very conscious about where I went, where I played. And now, again, it's just the realization of, man, we could pass tomorrow. I'm just going to live life today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm going to do what I need to do. Of course, responsibly, I still very much try to respect everybody's um, space and try not to be sneezing and coughing on other people. Of course, you know how that goes. But absolutely. I play um, all the time and back to where I am and just try to be, try to keep the mindset that again, like in 2016, this could get ripped away from me tomorrow. So the gig I'm playing tonight, I'm going to be fully present in tonight and not worry about what might happen tomorrow because we can't plan for that. I mean, it is what it is. So real quick on the uh, songwriting front, because I've, I've known, I know a, a number of songwriters. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by it. Uh, do you, are you constantly entering things in your phone, ideas? Are you constantly hearing phrases that you go, oh, that makes something cool? Or, or is it more organic than that, that you just have to sit down and dig deep? Honestly, so my songwriting process, I think everybody's is a little bit different. Mine is more, for lack of a better term, it's like word vomit. And so there are moments where I just have this epiphany, like it's this song that has to come out right now. And it could be four in the morning and I wake up, I go grab my guitar and it just comes out. And so it takes me like five minutes max to write a song. And then, of course, I can edit it and perfect it after that. But it just comes out. The notes are there. The chords are there. The words are there. And it's just ready to go. But if you sat me down and you were like, hey, write me a song right now, that would be a huge struggle for me because that's just not how my creative brain works. But, yes, I'm always typing things in my phone, but that's more so like projects. Like, oh, I've got a great idea for my interview next month. I want to do videos like this. I want to post about this. And if I had those moments of, oh, this is a song, I immediately get my notes out on my phone and type down the lyrics that are floating around. Okay. It's like, again, as somebody who knows a lot of songwriters, that's a really unusual way of working. And that's not a criticism. Isn't it though? It's very cool. It's very cool. And you are, you are blessed. You really are that your subconscious can take those floating things and put them in a soup for you and go, 
here it is. I mean, that is, that's truly one of the most unusual and coolest ways I've ever heard that anybody writes songs. Yeah, well, I've heard, um, I've been to a lot of songwriter festivals and all of the people that have met, you know, they do songwriter nights and um, the people in Nashville, most of my friends that want to do songwriting, they get together in a group uh-huh. and they sit for a day. I'm talking like 10 hours or more in a group of two, three, four, five people and they just rack a song out, but they sit and they stare at it all day. Yeah. And that's intimidating to me They'll because I'm just retreats. like, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, that creativity, you kind of mirror everybody else and you get in the zone, but that's super intimidating for me because that's just not how my process works at all. Yeah. They'll usually just start talking and uh, because I I, they'll they'll start talking and see if anything and they're not they're consciously but not consciously trying to find an idea. So they'll usually just start talking about, you know, "Eh, my wife did the grocery store and she got the wrong kind of tomatoes, you know, and and just seeing where it could lead from there, which is always interesting. So I love I love that. I love that. That Well, before we before we go and we still got some time, I really do want you to tell me about the You're Not Alone project. Tell me about that. What what it is? What's its goal? Where are you going with it? Yeah, absolutely. So like we touched on earlier, my best friend, a drummer for my band passed away. And that was where I think it all kind of started stewing and blooming. And in 2018, I got back into the scene kind of in memory of him, uh, put together the CD that we'd always planned on doing. But, you know, as college kids, we didn't have any money. So I saved up money, did my first legit studio record, and I had a CD release party, invited his family, which I do want to make a side note. The, the song Show Me Home that I wrote about him in that moment of healing, I invited his family. They flew in and drove in from all over. And at the end of that song, the very, very last chorus, it's like a hidden chorus at the very end. They're singing it with me in an empty room with a mic sitting in the middle and like a violin. And it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. So if, you, if people listening, go back and listen to that song because that's where everything started really for me in the music journey so anyway i went to uh ended up seeing a counselor and i told her you know grief i found in this journey it's not step by step sometimes you read you know step one is anger step two is denial blah 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 and i just think that's a bunch of hocus pocus because really reality grief is cyclical and so one day you feel really good today's a good day and you know, three days later, it might just be not a good day, and there's no rhyme or reason. We just kind of are in a funk. Our feelings are hurt, and we're just grieving, and that's part of it. And so, I would find myself. I felt like I was healing and doing good, and then I would find my, myself dealing with some anxiety and some because it was this new thing. Uh, the person that I would call first was not there; they were gone. So you were dealt like head first of you know trauma and loss, and so. The therapist that I was seeing advised me to write a song about that. You know, those feelings, put them into a song. And again, I can't force myself to do it, but I found myself being like, oh, man, one night I just woke up, put all these lyrics down and wrote the song called Watch the Walls. And so it discusses that moment of anxiety and just feeling completely alone. And one of my favorite verses in it talks about um, hold on to your hope. And let me know if you see mine, because in that moment of darkness, you just lose hope, you lose the light, and it feels like the walls are coming in on you. Everything's kind of crashing down. 
And so I released that song, did a music video, and the feedback was amazing. I had so many people reach out from all over the U.S. I'm talking California, Oregon, Ohio, Georgia, people just saying, man, this song really hit home for me. I thought I was the only one. And the one person that really stuck out to me was um, a man that served in the Army, and he was uh, did some tours in Afghanistan, and I think he said he had served three years over there at one time, and there were several guys he spent every single day with, all day, every day, and when they got shipped back home, the guys just had so much PTSD and anxiety and depression, they didn't know how to deal with it, and so they passed by suicide. And so he was saying, you know, people don't even have any idea that others are struggling that bad. And the song really sticks out to me because I've lost so many loved ones this way. And so that triggered in me, like, I can do something else. And so I started putting together You're Not Alone things. I made some merch that said You're Not Alone, and it had my handle on it, Townsend T Music, just hoping that it would stir up a conversation. It would lead people back to my page so that I could serve as a listening ear for them. Um, and then it led to making a little video of a bunch of people that just wanted to share their story, but they didn't know how. So I let them use my platform. That got national recognition. It was all over the news. And then that turned into me being like, yeah, I can do more than that. And so I started these live streams once and then twice a month. And now they're every week. And I interview all different people about every topic you can think of under the mental health umbrella. So we do bipolar eating disorders. I have really huge names on there that have built businesses from the ground up from their depression. I have counselors on there providing tips and tricks. So it's just a little bit of everything. Wow. And yeah, just recently, those live streams were on Instagram. And I do them live so that people can get on and ask questions and interact. But we've converted those into YouTube videos so you can watch them back. And then we've also converted them into podcasts recently. And so finally, it's been a year in the making, but finally the podcast is live. And every Monday, there's a new one on there. And it's those live streams that I've had over the past year. And you can go back and listen to them. And my goal is just to make somebody feel a little bit less alone. Good for you. That's thank you. That's very cool. Uh, it, it's it's nice when you know you can not be in the way and and help lead the way. And that's yeah, right. so cool for you. I I'm very impressed by it. Way to way to take your own struggles and and recognize them and realize that. Not being cute, you are not alone. You were never alone, and the other folks aren't either. So that's so yeah, cool. yeah. It just it just took me turning my perspective around. I was never alone. It was me making myself feel that way, and so I wanted to make other people realize the same thing. Like just like you said, you were never alone. You're still not alone, and my handle is there. You can talk to. I've gotten people now on that I can refer them out to counseling, refer them out to certain businesses. It's been really cool. 
What a delightful time I've had with you. And I, I knew I would. That's why I called it, une, you know, unexpected conversations is what we uh, we have our tagline is because I just never know what's going to lead where it's going to take me. And this has just been a fun, interesting hour that I got to spend with you. I, I hope we can do it again. Oh, absolutely. Let me know when and I'm there if you don't change the schedule like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you don't stop you know could you not do your kid your gigs on the day i record is that possible could you just like think um, of me can you can you make my yeah. life a little easier come you're on so you're always in the way oh i'm telling you what i am i'm so in the way right now so i'm telling you Townsend. Yes, it has truly truly thank you so much for having me on it has been a pleasure chatting with you i'm glad to have the opportunity Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time. Until next time.